0: Amen. Okay, good morning, everybody. Um, So, thank you. um, So, this morning I'm sharing with you uh, the next part of our series on Ephesians. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, made alive in Christ. Um, This is a really well known passage, um, but is really important too. So, we're going to go straight in. Um, If you've got uh, your Bibles with you, um, please turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 1. I'm going to read it first from the NIV version, um, and then I'm going to read the same passage again from the message version as well. Made alive in Christ. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, I'm just going to read that again, Uh, but this time the message version. He tore down the wall. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old, stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives And made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does the good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. So, there is a lot in that. Um, And I've kind of broken um, these 10 verses down into three parts, uh, which we'll talk about this morning. So the first part, verses 1 to 3, this is where Paul describes in detail what was happening in our lives before we were saved, before salvation Verses 4 to 9, what happened at salvation when we got saved. And then the final verse, verse 10, what God wants to do in our lives now that we are saved after salvation. Okay, so how things were before salvation, and they were not good. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, Paul says. And he continues to use more analogies. In which he used to live when he followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit. He is now at work in those who are disobedient. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So, when we were born, we were physically alive, but spiritually, we were dead. Spiritually, we were not yet born. This is a bit morbid, but I want you to imagine for a moment that you're a corpse. What's that like? You can't hear. You can't feel. You can't speak. You can't see. You've got no hope and no future. You're lifeless. No life. Spiritually, that is how we were we had no life. We can understand God. We were unable to respond to his truth. We were dead in sin. We didn't have a hope. And if God didn't intervene, everyone would stay in that same spiritual state forever. So when we were born, we were dead in our sin and we were following the course of this world. Paul goes on to say, used to follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, this spirit. This is referring to Satan. Um, Sin and Satan have power um, and it is not good. Uh, The Greek word for this spirit is pneuma and this means the non-physical, non-visual actual manifestation of the devil and the dynamic, uh, dynamic realm that influences people. So we used to be influenced by Satan. We were disobedient to God, and we were in a bad way before Jesus. We did things that felt good and thought about things that were not godly. We used our lives um, to follow the pattern of this world. And the reason why we did these things was because it was in our nature. We had a nature towards sin. We could not control it. So, to summarize, what state were we in before Jesus saved us? Verse one, we were dead in sin. Verse two, the accuser, Satan, is behind this great human problem. And verse three, this shows us how we listened to the lies of the enemy. I was going to make it even more succinct because we didn't follow God and instead followed Satan. Sounds dramatic, but it's true. Humanity is doomed. Fortunately, it doesn't end there. So, in verses 4 to 9, uh, Paul goes on to say, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So, Paul lists what Jesus did for us when we got saved at salvation. In verse 5. He says, he, he was the one, Jesus was the one responsible for transporting us from this state of death to this state of life. He was the one, Jesus was the one that made us alive because of his grace. And he raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. I think it's important to note that the tenses in these verses are all in their past tense, meaning it's, it's already done. It's a done deal. These are things God has already done. He's not going to do them in the future. It's saying he's already made us alive, he's already raised us up, and he's already seated us in heavenly places. And this really spoke to me, that not only did Jesus give his life, even though we didn't deserve it, but he actually seated us with him in the heavenly places. Uh, in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus didn't just pay our price, but he gave us way more than we deserve, and this is grace. A really powerful illustration of this grace is in Les Mis, in a scene between the bishop and the prisoner. So for those of you who don't know, uh, the prisoner had recently served a 19-year prison sentence, um, but unfortunately he'd been released and had restarted his life of crime again. And in this scene, he's caught by the police because he stole silver from a church where the bishop had actually offered him shelter. But when the police bring him back to the church, everything changes. The bishop denies the charges and insists the silver was a gift. But on top of this, he gives the prisoner the most valuable silver candlesticks in the church. The prisoner deserves judgment and condemnation, but instead, he receives grace. He doesn't just get his sins forgiven, he gets an abundant, over-the-top gift as well. And that's like us. We deserve judgment and condemnation, but instead, we receive grace. We receive an abundant, over-the-top gift on top. Um, Being a primary school teacher, I teach re lessons and so i know a little bit about some other religions and um it's always really clear and obvious to me that, that with other religions you have to earn your salvation you have to make a human contribution you have to offer some sort of righteousness or something you have to do to have favor with god you have to pray enough and do enough you have to make sure the good things you've done outweigh the bad things But when C.S. Lewis was asked what makes Christianity unique and sets us apart from other religions, he said, it's grace. Um, There are 127 Bible verses that mention the word grace. Um, It's just that amazing. Um, Nicky Gumbel, posted on Twitter in 2020, he said, his grace, Jesus' grace, is not only amazing, it is sufficient, and it is enough. This salvation God has given us is unearned, undeserved, unmerited favour. There's nothing we could do to earn it or deserve it. But at some point, we responded to this grace through faith. It didn't have anything to do with you, and it didn't have anything to do with me. Um, I found a quote that said, Salvation is a gift to be received not a goal to be achieved. So all of this is nothing to do with our works. We can't go to church enough to earn our salvation. We can't give enough money money to charity to earn our salvation. We can't live a perfect life enough to earn our salvation. He said there is nothing you can do. There are no works you can do to earn your salvation. And Paul says the reason for this in verse 9 is so that no man can boast. In Galatians chapter 6, in the Message Version, it says, For my part, I am going to boast about nothing but the cross of our Master, Jesus Christ. It is not what you and I do. It is what God is doing. And he is creating something new, a free life. Uh, lots of you know that I enjoy listening to Philippa Hannah's songs. Um, and in 2020, she released a song called Loved Me, Loved Me First. And uh, it just popped into my head as I was preparing this week. Um, And it was in particular these words that seemed to really fit. My pockets were empty. I had nothing to give. I was your enemy. You call me your friend. Why do I find myself trying to earn it? You gave it all when I didn't deserve it. Who am I to question why? You said it was worth it. I find life when you laid yours down. Okay, so verse 10 shows us what happens now after we have been saved, after salvation. So verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we are God's handiwork, just like a writer uh, can craft a poem or a potter can craft clay. God is crafting us; He's working on us. Um, and I just really want to encourage you um, to have patience, because God is in the midst of creating something magnificent and something beautiful out of our lives. Because it says we were created in Christ to do good works, but our works are not a requirement for our salvation. They're a result of our salvation. I'm just going to say that again. Our works are not a requirement for our salvation, but a result of our salvation. God's prepared these works in advance for us to do. This means God has planned and given you, and he's given me, a purpose and a spiritual gift and something really specific that he wants you to do, that he wants me to do. Um, I'm really bad at this. Our human nature is to compare ourselves to others. We may wish that we could be more like someone else, that we could play the piano or be a great artist or know more about computers or be prettier or smarter or a faster runner. Um, But it's just not helpful to compare ourselves to others. In fact, it's really dangerous and discourages. We're always going to find people who are better at doing certain things than us, just as we're better at doing certain things than others. But we're created by God, each one of us, to do a special and unique thing that he has planned for us to do. And the amazing thing is, we have all we need to be who we are meant to be. So we don't have to compare ourselves to others, because God has given us all we need to be our best selves. Um, a few weeks ago, um, I did a 5K run. Um, I'd kinda, I'd, um, the physios had recommended after my ankle injury to do couch to 5K, so I did loads of training for it, and I thought if I actually book in a run, um, that would just keep me motivated, hopefully, to keep going to actually do it. Um, so um, there were probably about 80 or 90 people there, and they all seemed like professionals to me uh, because they were doing these crazy warm-ups and had these, like... Devon Running Club t-shirts and um, that was a bit intimidating Um, but when we started everybody just flew um, away from me and um, I thought well okay I don't really I don't want to be right at the back from the start Um, so I attempted um, to keep up with him Um, but this meant because I was running way faster than I'd run in my training um, that within a couple of minutes my legs were aching so much and my foot was painful and all I could see ahead of me was just what felt like hundreds of people it wasn't but it just felt like oh this is horrific um, and I kept thinking to myself how on earth am I going to get to the end if I keep running this fast this is ridiculous um, but the whole time I had music playing in my ear And I hadn't even listened, really. I hadn't really focused on the music at all because I was so distracted by everyone ahead of me. There were a few behind. Most people ahead of me (laughs) um, and just the pain that I was in. Um, And then I thought to myself, right, just stop. and Don't stop, actually. But just stop your mind whirling and listen to the music, which was worship worship music. And when I did that, I wasn't focused on the people that were ahead and I wasn't focused on the pain and discomfort and the, oh, how am I going to do this? But I was just focused on the music Um, but that had to be a really conscious thing because I kept reverting back to oh that person looks like they're gonna lap me and oh this is really awful um my legs feel horrific I shouldn't have I shouldn't have gone as quickly and but then I brought myself back to the music again and in those moments was when it kind of time flew by um and God really spoke to me during the run about this and I felt him say that if you focus on people that are ahead of you, if you focus on um, what other people are doing and other people's giftings that seemingly seem better than yours and where where I'm leading other people, and if you focus on pain of past sins, that is not helpful. That is discouraging. But if you keep your eyes fixed on me, um, listen to me. I've got the plan for you. Don't look about what other people are doing. I've got a plan for you. Keep your eyes fixed on me. And as a church over the last year, we've had lots of words about keeping our eyes fixed on God. So I just really encourage us to, instead of focusing um, on things that are going on around, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus because he's got a purpose for you. And then our eyes are taken off ourselves and the things going on around us. And I feel as well, this verse also teaches us that we're created in Christ to do good works. This is the body of Christ, isn't it? So the arm and the eye and and the hand, um, they all have different roles, different purposes. Think of yourself for a moment as a lovely plant in a garden. (laughs) It may be uh, that you're a flower that perfumes the air. It may be that you're a vegetable that brings nourishment. It may be that you're a herb that heals. But the plants in that garden all have a different but very important purpose together the unique shapes and colours and fragrances are beautiful and useful but it's a challenge isn't it and that challenge is to find God's plan for our lives and to keep our eyes fixed on him and we have to trust that he will lead us in his plan even though things may happen along the way that we don't necessarily understand So, in the 10 verses that we've looked at today, Paul is trying to get us and the Ephesian church to really understand this incredible salvation that God accomplished for us 2,000 years ago when he sent his son. We were spiritually dead, but because of Jesus, we now have abundant life, and we need to follow his calling for our lives. As I was preparing this talk, I had another song, God speaks to me often in songs, another song um, that's kind of been going around my head, um, and it's called Yet Not I But Through Christ In Me by City Light. Um, so in a moment, hopefully, we're going to play this song. Um, the lyrics are going to be on the screen, um, and I just really encourage you in this time to just either just pray on your own or with others around you um, about anything that God has been speaking to you about. Um, But it may be um, that you've been really struck on how spiritually dead people who we know are who don't know Jesus. So I'd encourage you, you might want to pray for them now. Um, It may be that you've been focusing on and dwelling on uh, past hurts and focusing on what other people are doing. Um, But because of God's grace, we are free. So I'd encourage you in this time to fix your eyes on Jesus. It might be uh, that you're wondering about these good works, so I'd encourage you to pray more about your giftings and purpose and God's direction for your life. When the song's finished playing, um, I'll pray, and then we'll go back to our time of worship. It doesn't work. The lyrics are on the screen, so...